why I've never really wanted like complete career freedom, I guess. Like mm-hmm. everybody has always been asking me post-grad, like, oh, why aren't you just doing entrepreneurial stuff full time? Mm-hmm. Because I kind of like having a job and having like, you know, working for someone else and having those restrictions. And I think it makes the side entrepreneurial projects more enjoyable and I feel like I have more creativity when I have those limits of how much I can work on it. And I just appreciate that creative time more. Hello. I'm just going to let you know up front, this is the silliest episode I have ever recorded. Um, The format is a little different from the previous episodes, but if it's something that you enjoy, feel free to let me know. You can reach me on Instagram, Athena Sayaka. The spelling is in the description. Um that's all I gotta say oh actually I I'm just gonna give you fair warning Jordan and I are about to sing into your ears and it's it's not good it's not good not because of our voices but because of zoom and that's the story that I'm going with anyhow enjoy bye-bye yes I'm ready we're trying let's do uh I'll go I <laughs> wait. Okay. I don't know this part. Wait, how, how it's the this... same part. I'm just trying to get us to. The oh, same okay, part. okay, okay. To, to okay. a key. <laughs> Are you I ready? Know we're doing different keys. Yeah, we're harmonizing. Okay, okay. Got you. Got right. it. Ready? Yeah. Should I do the key again, or do you want to no, just? No, 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 no. Okay, okay. No. All right. Three, two, one. I'm oh, coming out. Dude, you gotta. You have to give me. You have to give me your everything for this right now. <laughs> okay, okay, that was a, that was a nervous first round. Let's go. Okay, okay, ready. Five, six, seven, eight. I'm coming out. I want the world to know. Gotta let it show. All right, great. Anyways, hi. Welcome to a pod. Another episode of <laughs> Nobody Comes Here to Hide. I'm here with Jordan P. Williams. Bow, bow, bow. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. Yay. What a rowdy episode this is. What a rowdy one. Um, Jordan, you are the co-founder of Yedcore, Young Mogul's brand. You just put out a book called Breaking the System. This is true. And I would like to add to this list at the Mm -hmm. end that also be the rowdiest guest you had on your podcast. <laughs> I want that to be the fourth thing. But yes, everything you said okay. before is also very true. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Let's start with your relationship to entrepreneurship. How did it start? Um, so where did it start? I would say that I've always been interested in entrepreneurship since like probably elementary, middle school, to be honest, mm-hmm. most likely because um I, I guess you could kind of say I grew up in a entrepreneurial household. Um, my dad was always, you know, when I was younger, I was always watching him run his own businesses and, you know, work on different projects. And he sort of always had that creative energy. And even, you know, my mom is sort of in that field as well. My si- I have an older sister. She's, um, especially now, getting into more of the creative side and wanting to create her own screenplays. and. And that sort of vibe. So mm-hmm. I think being around that, those type of individuals in my family, it kind of rubs off on me a little bit. Um, my dad would actually have uh, these seminars every week that he would do for like 
people in our community to teach about like financial literacy and money management and stuff like that. So me and my best friend, um, his name is Brandon. He's also uh, from the Atlanta area. So we would come to those meetings every week and we were probably just like 10, 11 years old, but we mm -hmm. would just sit and chill in the back. And I think, you know, going to all of those events with our dads kind of just got us in the mindset to want to follow their example. So uh, me and Brandon, our, our first, what I would call entrepreneurial project was something called, we called it Kids Toys Inc. And basically we would, um, you know, go to each other's house. We would scavenger through our closets and find all these old toys and games, mm -hmm. uh, old clothes. And we, you know, we made this website. We put, we took pictures of everything and put them on there and would just tell like all our friends at school to buy it all our friends at church, whatever. And yeah. uh, we'd pack a lot of the stuff in our book bags and just try to sell it at recess <laughs> and stuff like that. And it, it was really simple, but I think that's where the the passion for entrepreneurship and, you know, just trying to create opportunities in general started for both of us, really. Mm -hmm. And how would you define entrepreneurship? That's a really good question. In, in my opinion... I think that I've always defined entrepreneurship as someone who creates opportunities. And I think um, it's not always just limited to business where a lot of people try to limit it to business, but mm -hmm. I've always seen entrepreneurship as any, anybody who knows how to create um, opportunities for themselves. And especially if they do it for others in whatever field that is, sometimes it's, you know, having starting a business and being able to sell products and hire people and other times it could even be someone who you know starts a community and is able to get people job opportunities or something like that i think at the simplest level that entrepreneurs create opportunities and they provide value to other people mm -hmm. yeah along the lines of creating opportunity your book is self-published Yes. Do you want to talk a little bit about, first of all, what your book is about, and then also the process that you went through to decide to write this and self-publish? Yeah, absolutely. So the book is called Breaking the System. Mm -hmm. And uh, basically, it's sort of um, what I wanted it to be as a resource to help individuals at any level, but especially students, to be honest, like college, high school students, um, really be empowered to find their own passions and their own route when they're operating within, you know, systems in society, whether that's um, a school system or a corporate environment or even, you know, your family structures and culture. Um, I think all of these various systems have a status quo and there's these certain standards that everybody thinks that these are the things that you have to check off to be successful in that system. And I think it can be hard sometimes when you're um, working within those systems to really stay true to yourself and not just necessarily be who everybody else wants you to be or do what everybody else is doing. But I think the ones who, who aren't afraid to challenge the system and, you know, be their true self are the ones who typically are able to, you know, create the most impact and open up the opportunities for the people coming behind them or the people that are watching them. So. Um, the route I went, like you mentioned, was doing the self-publishing route, which, 
you know, was very important for me, especially in this book, because of just the theme of the book in general, which right. is sort of about being unconventional, about doing things your own way. So I just thought it would be kind of hypocritical on this project if I, you know, wrote about everything that's in it, about that freedom and creating your own opportunities, but let someone else dictate, you know, where my book would be sold, what I could and couldn't talk about in some chapters. Like I wanted it mm -hmm. just to be true to myself and my process. Um, so what that meant was sort of controlling the whole process, you know, um, once the writing was finished, it was on me to try to find an editor that could fix my various grammatical mm -hmm. errors and whatnot. Um, and it also meant, you know, having to lead the design process for the cover and, mm -hmm. um, you know, get any other opinions on what people thought on the cover and make those changes accordingly. And the biggest thing really being the distribution um, of the book. So since it's self-published, really, you know, it's on me to try to find the strategies to sell it. And whether right. that's, you know, my own website, whether it's Amazon, finding in-person events and just trying to hustle to find opportunities wherever that is. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think overall, the that process of self-publishing, I love it because it gives you a lot of control over the decisions. And of course, you know, even more responsibility comes with that. But that was mm -hmm. something I was willing to say, you know, I'll put in the extra work and the responsibility as long as I get the freedom to to control this project how I want to. So I think it was a great choice. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's also um, freedom to make the choices is what draws me, for instance, to entrepreneurship mm. and what draws a lot of people to it. Um, and I feel it's very similar, I feel like, to even like you with your podcast. Like, I think there's a lot of other avenues where you could do it. It could be like a radio show, but like mm -hmm. by you controlling your own channel and stuff, you get a lot of creative freedom with that, you know? Definitely. I can decide that we're, everyone's allowed to curse. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so what are you focused on right now? Well, it feels like I'm not really focused on anything, to be honest with you. Um, like we were kind of talking about before, mm -hmm. since school has ended, my mind has been everywhere. Um, and I'm a lot more relaxed. But at the same time, I feel like it's kind of been harder for me to focus at home. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's not really any real responsibilities right now. But um, I guess my main focus has really just been like wanting to it has been, you know, not business-wise. It hasn't really been business-focused at all, for the most yeah. part. I've actually just wanted to connect more with people, like my friends that I haven't seen on campus or, you know, just trying to find new ways to meet people uh, in this environment where everything feels so isolated and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, start a podcast. Start a podcast. <laughs> Maybe I might have to start a podcast. That, that might be a project for next week. Uh -huh. But but yeah, that's just been on my mind, like trying to find ways to connect with people when everything seems so unconnected right now. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's funny that you talk about um, this balance of being more relaxed, but also less focused. Yeah. And I find, and I've actually like read studies about this, where 
having constraints is what breeds creativity the most. Mm -hmm. And I do find that when I'm like busy to the point where I need to be scheduling every hour of my day, because that's how much needs to get done. That's also when I get the most done, you know, that's when I have the best ideas or like the most motivation to move sometimes. I agree with that a hundred percent. I think you, you put it like more eloquently than it's been in my head for a long time. Like, I think that's always been the reason why I've never really wanted like complete career freedom, I guess. Like Mm -hmm. everybody has always been asking me post-grad, like, Oh, why aren't you just doing entrepreneurial stuff full time? Mm -hmm. Because I kind of like having a job and having like, you know, working for someone else and having those restrictions. And I think it makes the side entrepreneurial projects more enjoyable. And I feel like I have more creativity when I have those limits of how much I can work on it. And I just appreciate that creative time more when it's not just completely, you know, normal, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely relate to that. I also think it's a really great opportunity to learn things on someone else's dime. True. True. That being said, I am looking for employment to any listeners who are plug plug (laughs) plug plug give i'm gonna edit that part out (laughs) (laughs) um hmm so regarding not doing entrepreneurship full-time right away when did you realize that entrepreneurship could be the thing that makes you a living Mm. That's a that's a great question, to be honest. I think it had to be so so it's interesting because that thought has come mm-hmm. at times in my life and then that thought has gone at times. And then sometimes it comes back. And I think it first came in high school when um me and my you know, my best friend Brandon from here were doing our clothing line called Young Moguls Brand. And that's really probably when we were working on it the most was, you know, when we were in high school. And to be honest, we were gaining a lot of momentum in the Atlanta area, just at different high schools. And um, it started just growing organically around the city. And it was it was just a really cool feeling because we had started just, you know, selling shirts in our backpacks to people in our class. Mm-hmm. And it... I think we got a glimpse of how um, it could really be a full-time profession if we really worked hard at it. And, you know, news outlets were picking it up and it seemed like it could actually be a legit thing. So I think that's the first time when I realized, oh, this could not only be, you know, something that's a creative passion project, but this could actually be something that is a career. Um, Then I would say going into college, that went away a little bit, to be honest, because I I think I saw a little bit more of real life constraints as far as um, the necessity to, I don't know, rent like stuff like, oh, I need to pay rent. Oh, I also will have, um, you know, pressure to pay for my own food and pressure to not only make some money, but need to make a certain amount of money from it to live a sustainable life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was pulling the curtain a little bit to say like, yes, this can be a career, but let's also show you how hard you would have to work at it for it to really, you know, be sustainable. 
Um, so I don't think it, that feeling went away completely, but it definitely diminished a little bit. And then I would say it came back um, when I finished the book, to be honest. And I think it was just, I think that was an opening for me to see a new like pivot that was possible personal, personally in my career um, to make me realize, okay, like, yes, um, clothing is one avenue and it might not make you all the money you need to be, you know, sustained in life, but uh, there's potential for pivoting as well into other avenues, such as, you know, being an author, being a speaker, whatever that may be. Uh, and I think that's where I sort of felt like there's enough influence for it to be a career if, if I really wanted it to be and was passionate enough about it. Yeah. So do you think that later down the road, uh, you might transition to like full-time entrepreneurship? I definitely think so. And I think, so even right now, my, um, my current, so the current job I'm going into in the next few months is, uh, going to be in, in wealth management and Mm -hmm. it's like a rotational program. And really the reason I'm interested in it is sort of to get to a, a job in a few years that would be um, very entrepreneurial and sort of running my own, you know, business with clients under a bigger name brand. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that'd be really appealing to me to sort of, you know, be considered a financial expert to get to work and especially specifically in sports and entertainment business and um, really just build a personal brand, I guess. Mm-hmm more than I think I have now into the financial realm as well um, and get to run my own business with my own pool of clients and have that entrepreneurial spirit, but still have like the reputation and backing of a bank and a firm that has a a bigger presence than my individual brand could go. So I think that's sort of been my perspective of what I want to get to, but also being honest right now and that, saying I don't have enough financial expertise or experience to do that. So I just want to go somewhere where I can learn and put in the work and learn from the experienced people and then hopefully, you know, work my way up to that platform. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it's something that I was talking about to um, someone recently was telling me that even though she didn't have any intentions of staying at Deloitte or wherever she was, um, she like worked on a project about like satellites or I don't know she worked on something that she on her own would never have like access to right um yeah this is what she was she was trying to convince me not to um go full-time basically as an entrepreneur and I was like "Eh, I mean it's I, I definitely have respect for people who go full time as an entrepreneur because I don't think people realize how hard it is and like how nerve wracking it can be and how much anxiety it is because mm-hmm. um, it's a lot of pressure. And But obviously, like there's pros and cons, like it's a lot of freedom and you get to, you know, call your own shots. But I think people sometimes don't realize that being full time entrepreneur is probably harder than, you know, working for someone else a lot of times and probably more hours a lot of times. Definitely more hours. I think I feel like I do. I think you're right that sometimes there's this perception that being an entrepreneur is like 
setting your own hours and all this freedom. But I feel like that stuff doesn't come until you have a team of your own that you can delegate to. Yeah. And in the beginning, you are you are everything, your CEO, your marketing director, your accountant, like, you know, all like, of it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's certainly not easy. Um, yeah, I think, personally, I think that the best way to get there is to get a job learning the thing that you intend to like sell right. or provide and then over like the course of years transitioning slowly you know? yeah yeah that's that makes sense to me yeah um so going back to your friend that you mentioned i'm really interested in and also your family um what is the communal aspect of entrepreneurship and mm -hmm. how does it push you forward that's a that's a good question. I think it's specifically been really interesting, you know, starting a business with someone who's my best friend, like someone who, um, so I have two different takes on this. So mm -hmm. in the Young Moguls brand is with my friend Brandon Iverson, who I've known like since I was two, basically. Like our families um, have known each other. We literally lived across the street from each other for most of our lives went to the same school, same church. So we, we were kind of surrounded by each other all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that one is just interesting. And it make, I think it works because me and Brandon just clicked on so many levels. And we've had, not to say we're exactly the same, but I think for, you know, 20 years, we've learned each other's tendencies and, and learned how to work with each other um, and how to communicate with each other. Um, but I think that for a while, especially in high school, I think beginning of high school, it was difficult at times because we were honestly um, afraid to be confrontational with each other. And sometimes that can even be the case now, I think, just because we're so close, we don't, you know, want to step on each other's toes yeah. about about stuff that might bother us, but doesn't bother us enough to really want to make a mess out of it. So. I think that has been the thing I've learned with starting business with close, close friends is like, you know, just being ready to, to be upfront and open with each other. And if, if that's not possible and you think it could hurt the friendship, I think it's something that might need to be avoided. Um, but I think we've been able to be open with each other, with each other. So it's worked pretty well. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think it's interesting coming into college uh, I now work on a nonprofit called Yet Corp with friends from uh, two two friends from Boston University and a friend that goes to Lynn University. Um, and this one was completely different because we did not know each other at all before. We got introduced. Um, that co-founder's name uh, is Brandon Moore and and Leo Moronta. I got introduced to Brandon through a mutual friend at Penn. Um, and we connected and he told me about, you know, his passion for what he wanted to start through a nonprofit. And, you know, we had similar ideas and it really clicked, but it wasn't like we had a long-term friendship before that. So I think that was a different experience where we weren't necessarily worried about stepping on each other's toes or, 
um, offending each other in the beginning because we didn't know each other and mm -hmm. I wouldn't see him. I didn't see him for like a year in person. So um, I thought that was a little bit refreshing for a second. And I think now it's ironic to where it's gotten that, you know, those individuals are some of my closest friends. And now that problem comes up again. Of like, how do we continue to, you know, shoot straight with each other and and be straight up and tell each other when we don't like your idea? Like, it's nothing personal, but um, have honest opinion. Otherwise, there's no point in doing this. And I think that the same is especially true for family. Why I've sort of been hesitant to ever do any ventures with family at all, because I think mm -hmm. that. It's just a lot of complicated things that goes into it. And if you can handle it, that's great. I just don't know if I, you know, would be able to handle that the way it would need to be. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast recently, and it turns out that the founders of Miss Jessie's, the, like, hair brand, yeah, um, there were two sisters, and one of the sisters ended up suing the other. Um, and then it didn't get, this is actually really sad, but it didn't get resolved. And then one of the sisters had, I think, like an aneurysm. And Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. A real bummer. Um, it's, it's crazy though. Like, I, I think I've actually, so I've actually been sort of working on a project right now that where I want to contrast and highlight different family businesses and like dynamics mm -hmm. and it's it's something that's another topic that's really been heavy on my mind right now is you know how that dynamic changes in in different environments and the the um the repercussions that come with like the benefits and the the reper negative repercussions that could come with running a business with close family members because it yeah. can definitely get complicated absolutely it's 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 all too easy, I think, to get personal yeah. and then have those kinds of things bleed into both personal um, conflicts bleed into the business and then vice versa. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, mm -mm. I had a question, but I forgot it. No rush. I got all day, literally. <laughs> Great. Oh. How do you go about defining an audience for mm. what you're putting out? So I think, so I've had projects where I've had to clearly define it. And then mm -hmm. I think I've had some where I don't like to define it. I think an example where I don't like to define it was kind of with the book, because I think I, I initially I was defining it and the group I defined it for, um, I guess people outside of the group seemed like they had even more interest. Like I, I had initially written it for students and people in my demographic. And I, it's ironic that a lot of adults have resonated with it for reasons that I didn't really expect. Mm -hmm. um, so I think I've just tried to be flexible with, you know, once I define that target market, quote unquote, adapting and, and being able to admit that I was wrong about it. But so for Yedcorp, I think is the perfect idea of defining who that, that market segment is because we had a really clear um, vision of having events and conferences that was just a vibe of young adults and young college students who 
were, you know, fun and energetic, but also motivated and had ideas and, and creative energy that they just wanted to shoot with each other. And we didn't really see a lot of other, I guess, groups like curated like that by people our age. So at first, I think it was us questioning whether that group really exists or whether we were like um, dreaming that those people wanted an experience like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so for us, it was sort of like picking individuals that we thought would fit into that um, on an individual basis, whether it was like hitting people in the DMs that seemed, you know, to be inspired and motivated by certain projects or you know, going to certain, visiting college campuses and passing out flyers and uh, to specific clubs and groups on their campuses. And I think that once we got to the summit and saw those people together feeding off each other's energy and and really asking great questions, I think that's when we realized like, oh, this is a segment that should exist. We just got to go find those people because sometimes I think they can get discouraged that these spaces don't exist, especially for minority students. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I think for us, it was identifying and, and talking to people our age and our peers who seemed like they wanted that, but then getting out of our environment and going on the search for those individuals and showing them we had something to offer. Yeah. Is most of this in person or are you doing some of this through like running ads on Instagram or Facebook or other platforms so because of the nature of yed corp and where we are in our lives most of it has been through social media and Mm -hmm. through um not as much paid ads but honestly through like direct messaging on social media Mm -hmm. um and getting sort of ambassadors in different campus environments um mainly because you know we're college students during the day and some of us, some of the people on our team are college athletes as well and just have busy schedules. And additionally, all of our team members are in different cities. Mm-hmm. So at times it can be a little hard for us to, um, you know, congregate together and get in front of people in person. But our sentiment has always been that we rather, you know, interact with people in person. I think it, first of all, because that's sort of the nature of the event of the summit is an in-person experience. And personally, I just think that it's always better for people to feel your energy in person. And that's something that can't really be replicated. That passion and that, um, you know, drive can't really be replicated through a ad on Instagram or through a screen. So whenever we're together, like in New York during the summer or um, at an event, I think those were the biggest moments where we were able to hit the streets and, you know, talk to people one-on-one, have those awkward conversations and, and really just express our passion. And sometimes it works and sometimes people are like, no, no, thanks. Mm -hmm. But I think that that's definitely what we prefer and finding avenues to do that in person. Yeah. So do you guys, is it an annual summit? Yes. Is that the goal? Yes, um, the, this Corona is is messing with that a little bit this year, but that's yes, the goal. <laughs> right. Um, do you guys have any plans about this summer summit? So right now is right now is definitely pushback. I'll say that's the thing we know. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it, I guess, depends on um, how far uh, this 
coronavirus spread goes because um, right now it's not even just our desire to want to do it, but it's the the venues aren't able to have events and a lot of them are struggling financially right now. So it's right. even if we, we wanted to and even if things got better, that, you know, finding the right venue and the right location and also the right timing for students, depending on when school gets back into session, could be an issue. Um, I think we've been trying to avoid doing We've been doing virtual like Zoom events every now and then, but I think we've been trying to avoid doing a long-term like virtual conference just because that's not the vibe we were going for. Right. Um, so right now, a lot is up in the air, and we've just been continually going back to the drawing board to see that you know if uh, and a, a summit isn't possible there's definitely other ways for us to provide value and connect with people. It's just time to get a little creative. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, through what form do you think the majority of your learning comes from? Mm. What form? I would say that, I would say that a lot of it comes from observation a lot, mm. a lot, definitely, um, I think definitely the least of my learning comes from like reading or like in the classroom per mm -hmm. se, but I think I definitely get a lot of um, knowledge from watching other people's expertise and watching their vibes and also conversing with other people. Um, and I think that that's kind of been the frustrating thing in, you know, quarantine or in the house right now is that those same in-person observations are harder to be made. But I think I still, you know, found inspiration in other things, whether it's like YouTube videos or, you know, why, even just watching people adapt uh, business-wise to this, uh, this pandemic or, you know, having conversations in Zoom chats with people about how they've adapted to this time. Mm -hmm. I think that's when I've learned the most. Um, but not I don't think I necessarily always learn in the conventional way of sitting down and, you know, studying a book in my personal case. I'm definitely more of like a visual person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too, brother. Would you agree with that? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I've always felt like school has gotten in the way of my education. Wow, that's an interesting way to put it. But I, I understand that so much. Yeah, it's just there's so much focus on there's so much focus on this measurable thing, this right. grade. And I think what's so interesting, my sister's a school teacher, so I'm like I'm really kind of in on the background on this, but sh actually, I don't know what we're allowed to say. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't get your family in trouble now. I don't I don't want no issues coming from this podcast. I know I said rowdy. <laughs> The good news is that she has a different last name than me, so <laughs> I don't think they could find her through me. Perfect. I won't, I won't snitch. No worries. <laughs> but basically, I think a lot of schools and a lot of states have gone the route with their middle school and their high school where students aren't getting new grades. Like, I don't think that they're allowed to mm -hmm. fail students in this time. And I completely understand where that's coming from. But it also has led to this, this situation where kids are realizing that they don't have to do anything yeah 
like if there's no pressure to do the thing and you still get in what is like the lowest is a B, then why would you work or learn? Um, and I think that's always been the issue with this system of education that we have, yeah. where it's just like, if everything's for this A, then why, like, I, I was very lucky that, um, A, I was very charming. So my teachers always kind of were nice to me. And, <laughs> and secondly, most of what we were learning, it came somewhat naturally to me. And so like, in that way, I'm very lucky that I was able to ascend through this particular system, but it is not at all how I learn. Like, right. Right. I, it was never the way that I retained information. That's interesting that, like, that's not the way that you learn, that you, like, learn, but you seem to tend to be good at the system. Like, that's, yeah. that's always really interesting to me, because uh, I think a lot of my friends would say the same, like, I hate school, like, it's, I just hate the structure, but they know how to work the structure really well. Yeah. I think it's just so interesting. I think if there's one thing that I would tell people who are younger than me, um, people going through school and everything is just like, it's all about learning how to work the system. Because mm. I, I think this is actually great because your book is about breaking the system. I think it's one size really well. This, what, a, <laughs> yes. what a, how ironic. <laughs> and something that's so funny is like, I, most of my friends right now are artists, like, right. like deep in it, like artists. Right. Um, and so a lot of them are like raging against this capitalism machine. Right. And I am over here. Clearly I went to Wharton, which is <laughs> <laughs> the church of capitalism, essentially. <laughs> um, my thought process is, I don't like the way that this works. I'm not going to do any of the work really to dismantle it. So I'm going to figure out how to work within it. Right. Um, which is perhaps not a brave choice, but I'm going to eat. You know what I mean? Exactly. No, I, I agree. A hundred percent. Yeah. So uh, what do you think about that, Mr. Breaking the System? So this is honestly, I think you're at the core of breaking the system. And it, uh -huh. So like this is why I really resonated with that fact because the so like the honest truth is that the system is always working you whether you notice it or not like mm -hmm. the system most systems like if we're talking about the school system specifically it's working you and it's benefiting from you so it's in your best interest to work the system and I think so many students you know come in not really focus on working the system they're just existing but like in my opinion if you don't come into these school systems or your university and take the time to understand how to really get the most out of it for mm -hmm. you like how to personally get your best experience and get all that school has to offers has to offer i think you're wasting your time and you know sometimes i think working the system means deviating from what the typical thing is like the typical idea of success at Penn is probably like having a super high GPA and killing all your classes like I think that's mm -hmm. what the system wants you to think and my perspective has always been like I'm going to work the system my way I might not have the highest GPA but I'm going to use all the resources you guys have to offer for me to work on my own projects and I'm going to meet a lot of dope people like you who are working on great things and get as much as out of that as I can. 
and I'm going to tap into the network. And at the end of the day, I think I'll have worked it and squeezed as much out of it as possible um, without just, you know, you telling me what the right way to do this is. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, yeah, my GPA was not the highest. <laughs> <laughs> me either. Me either. But There's I no did get a lot done while I was here. <laughs> <laughs> what has been the most unexpected part of your journey? I think the most unexpected part of my journey is the people I've met senior year. Like, I think if high school version of me had looked at my friend circle, not just my close friends, but I would say like my general friend circle this year, I think he would be very confused. <laughs> like mm-hmm. um, coming into Penn, to be honest, I was definitely kind of nervous and you know, I found some good core friends initially and really just wanted to stick by them because I felt so uncomfortable in this environment. And I think that's something a lot of people at Penn, but in, in co- a lot of college students probably feel as well. Um, and I think that through different ways, like senior year, I've, I've gotten just thrown into environments that were super awkward. And a lot of those people have happened to become you know, really good friends of mine or people that inspire me a lot. And I think that now my sources of inspiration have gotten really diverse just because I have, I'm friends with unexpected people, you know, whether it was like ending up at Feb Club events by myself and just mm-hmm. needing someone to talk to or like joining a senior society with nobody I knew. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that those type of experiences uh, have been the biggest bright spot because of the great people that I think I've been introduced to from it. Yeah, I think people are the lifeblood of life. <laughs> I would agree. I think I think you hit it on the nail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, great. <laughs> Sorry, I'm really, as I said, I'm bonkers today. I hope you're like this every day. This is a vibe. It's generally better. It's generally smoother. Okay. I'll take your word for it, whatever you say. <laughs> you have to believe me, okay? <laughs> um, uh, uh. Honestly, this is your show, which is like anything you say goes. Nobody can ever say it's wrong. Yeah, but the thing is that it's all blank right now. That's that's. I don't care what I say. I care that there is... There are words being said. Honestly, blame Auntie Rona for this. Miss <laughs> Rona. In all honesty, it's not even you. Yeah, it's her. It is. It is. Oh, wait, you know, actually, why do you think that we decided that Rona is, is a woman? That's a good question. So I feel like if this, if the name of the virus didn't end in an A, Mm-hmm. Maybe it'd be different. Like, maybe if it was... Corona? <laughs> maybe it was Corona, I think people would definitely be calling it a heat. Mm. But I'm trying to think of a woman's, like, a typical woman's name that ends in Rona. I don't know. But it just it just sounds like a nickname my auntie would have. Like, I definitely feel like I've called one of my aunties Rona. <laughs> and I just don't remember it. But... I feel like that's the closest justification I can get to. All right. I accept. What What is your thoughts on it? Do you feel like it's a different 
reason? Um, not until truly just that moment. I do think that it's just, I think it's like a black, one black woman was like, mm, Miss Rona, you got me. You know what I mean? And it just spread. <laughs> but I'm also wondering if it's, if it's that little bit of internalized sexism. You know what I mean? I, I, so that came to my mind as well. Mm-hmm. And I think, honestly, anything is possible. It's, I think it's possible that could be a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd hope not. I hope it's someone's auntie. But, <laughs> but honestly, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. I don't know. Have we had any, have they named any hurricanes with male names? Matthew, right? There was just a Matthew, I think. There has to have had been, right? Who I also mean, who gets to choose those? <laughs> I don't know. Whose job? Who what intern chooses <laughs> those names? I have no idea. The, these are the mysteries of the world. Who chooses hurricane names? Who writes Amy Gutman's emails? Because <laughs> they're not doing a good job. <laughs> I've I've been wondering that for the longest time. Because I know I I have a feeling it is not. Miss Amy Gutman. It can't be. It can't be. But yeah, we'll get to, we'll definitely get to the bottom of that by, that'll be our project. I specifically want to know who names hurricanes. Yeah. It's probably a Google away. I, I have the time and energy now <laughs> that I've, that graduation is over mm-hmm. to worry about these pressing topics. Absolutely. I really wanted, um, this is, this is no longer about my podcast. <laughs> I really wanted one of those um, awards from our school. What do you mean? Like what are the like a like a fish or a flag or some? Oh, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like I like I wanted a fish. We can get you a if you if this is what you want, we can get you a fish. But That's it's not, not like a live fish. It's I want I want something heavy and something that came from the school telling me that I am good. <laughs> I just the want the validation. Is, the the thing is, within six months, the fish will be forgotten. I think is the thing about like awards in general. Sure. Which is really interesting to me. I reluctantly accept this. <laughs> but but mm-hmm. I, I'm looking around to see if I have a fish. In, I don't. But we will find the fish. It's not about the I just said a fish because we do the we have the fish thing, you know. It's not just It's a the fish principle. I, I, yeah. I understand. A plaque would do. Here. A crown. I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate that. It's not at all snarky. <laughs> <laughs> that is very interesting though. This concept of awards will be forgotten in six months. Like, Do you have Wait, any, what were we about to say? Do you have any interest in building legacy? Um, t- so to be honest, I have a weird feeling with this. Like, I do, but I don't. Like, I think I do in the terms of I appreciate it, and it means a lot to me. Like, it it does, but I would hope that I don't. I don't know. I don't, this is something I'm not even super clear on. Like, in the process of doing it, of doing whatever work I'm doing, I don't. Because mm-hmm. I don't, I tend not to think or want to think that the legacy should matter in the, in the grand scheme of things. Like, 
if I could make a choice between actually making the impact and, you know, like, you know, people messing whatever with whatever I have to offer and really resonating with it mm-hmm. and having a legacy, I would definitely choose that even if the legacy isn't involved. Mm-hmm. But I think that when I tend to operate in that realm, the legacy tends to take care of itself. Sure. Um, so I try not to think of it as like, I want a legacy, but I want to, I want people to feel my impact. And I want people to like, I want people to, the things I do to resonate with people. And I think everybody does. And I think that's the place to start rather than working from the place of like, I want to leave a legacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I, I think in environments where a legacy is left, that means the world to me, like, because I think it's a sign that like what you did, did resonate with people. Yeah. What do you, what's your perspective on this? I'm interested to hear, like, is a legacy something that matters to you? Um, something that I've recently admitted to myself is that I want accolades. I'm very interested in accolades. Right. And Initially, I wasn't thinking, I need a legacy. I need something that when I die for 100 years, people still know my name. Uh, And I still don't feel that way because truthfully, that doesn't matter to me. Once I'm dead, I truly don't care what goes on afterwards, obviously because I'll be dead, but also like, actually, no, that's really it. Like, it won't affect me anymore. Yeah. So it's not necessarily that I'm looking for legacy. What I'm more interested in is enjoying my life while I'm living it and getting the freedom to do what I want to do. And so I think reputation will be very important, but I actually don't care much about legacy. I also want accolades. (laughs) I think that's so important to say though. And, And I've been thinking about that for the past few weeks is like, personally, I don't know if this is the case with other people, but a lot of times I like, try to act like I don't want something to avoid, you know, disappointment or mm-hmm. like to feel like, oh, if I don't want it, maybe it'll come. And I just really don't mess with that. Like I really now at this point rather be honest with myself. Like, yes, I like, I do want an athlete. I do want an award mm-hmm. and, and I will work accordingly and, you know, hope for it. And if it doesn't happen, like disappointment is okay. And, yeah. and, that's not something I'm not going to like try to, you know, avoid dreaming or like avoid hoping for something just to avoid disappointment Mm -hmm. because you might like, I might cause myself to avoid some really good stuff because of that. So I feel like I I love how you said it. Like I do, I do want awards and accolades. Mm -hmm. And I think that's honestly, that's something that's driven me since middle school as like someone who felt like that like my talents were always looked over that's always been something that's frustrated me since a young age yeah and I think at times it can just be frustrating in general because there's certain things people don't even know to award about you and I and that's always like that's always where I guess I try not to buy in too much to it because there's so much stuff that people wouldn't even know how to award or like what to appreciate if uh, because they don't take the time to i guess yeah 
When I was in elementary school, I lived in a really racist part of Florida, and I was constantly testing the highest, but yeah. my teachers were constantly telling me that I remember I remember one time sitting in a meeting with my parents and this woman was like, yeah, right now she's number one in the class, but that'll change pretty soon. Dang. And that exact sentiment was repeated when I was in high school and we had to like meet with our guidance counselor and I was talking about, I'm going to apply here and all this stuff. And she was like, yeah, I mean, I know you're currently ranked number one, but that'll change as your like AP classes come in or... I told her I was going to apply to Penn and then I was applying to UMD, um, which is the state school. Yeah. And she was like, oh, you're going to need a safety school. And I was like, bitch, UMD is the safety school. <laughs> That's wild. That's wild. Yeah. And then as soon as I got into Penn, all of a sudden she was my best friend. Like, it's, it's very interesting. I've never, I don't want to be famous because I think that takes too much freedom actually away from what you're allowed to do yeah yeah very true if i wasn't more compelled towards like mm, my personal brand and like what services i intend to offer later right. on is like in the form of decision processes which is what i studied so i'm really interested right. in like how you can affect behavior and like use external factors to to influence your internal processes right um i feel like if i didn't have if i didn't feel like my talents were better suited for that i would absolutely be trying to be a comedian or like a writer i would love to see you do that like i could see you doing that and i feel like that would be such a dope like vibe i think i'd be pretty good i've done a couple um stand-up like open mics and stuff like in philly or somewhere else in philly really yeah that's I don't dope. talk about it because it's not super relevant to anyone else. And it's also like, it's for me, right? Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really have 10 years, though, to be bombing forever until I get really good. <laughs> and I feel like that's what every comedian says, you know? It takes I, 10 years. I feel like that would be the perfect like activity after work. Like, <laughs> after a long day at the office, now <laughs> let me go, like do my stand-up segment i would yeah. love to do something like that just get a you know i don't know <laughs> i don't i don't know if i have the confidence to do that though like that that's what about like an improv thing. class what'd you say what about like an improv class uh that's arguably even worse because like, <laughs> i've been to i went to a stand-up club for the or a comedy club for the first time mm -hmm. um over christmas and I, like I wasn't performing at all, of course, but I was watching, and like some of them, some of them were very awkward experiences. And it's like it's funny to me because it's not me doing it, and they took mm -hmm. it like a champ, obviously. But I feel like it's just an example of ultimate confidence. Like, like it's not even about me. I'm just here to have a good time. Yeah, yeah. I really like getting my ego bruised. <laughs> No, facts, facts. Yeah, I just think it's important to keep me, because I am, if you haven't already figured it out, <laughs> I'm very uh, 
I have a super high self-esteem. <laughs> yeah, I think occasionally I need for my ego to be brought down. I mean, the, I feel like the honest, the so like the way I've always seen it is mm -hmm. like the people with the lowest ego like have the most confidence is like how I see it. Like I think a lot of the people, honestly, I think that a lot of times in my life, I've tried to mask like, uh, you know, lack of, or like an ego problem for being just shy when like, it's not really shy. Like I just have too much of an ego to want to get embarrassed and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Or, or, and I'm like, not even ego per se in like a cocky way or like, yeah. oh, I'm the best. But I think it's ego is like the face. whenever a person has like this idea of themselves and doesn't want that to get bruised. Like you said, like, I don't want to see this image of myself any other way. And I don't want you to see it any other way as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to make sure that never happens. Yeah. Okay. Let me ask one more question in the form of that's useful to my podcast. Okay. Maybe two or three. That's fine. Okay. Um, how do you go about, or how did you go about integrating your entrepreneurship work in with your other external responsibilities? Mm. Well, so I know I've, I feel like everybody always says like, oh, make a schedule and, you know, prioritize and map out, you know, the day and all of this. I've never really been that type of a person. And at times I think that's bad. At times I think it's good. But I, I consider myself someone who's very flexible. Like I keep a loose schedule in terms of like I have class at this time or I have an event at this time. But I don't like live by um, you know, a, uh, agenda, unless it's things like this, like, oh, we have this thing to record at three. Mm -hmm. um, so I like to sort of keep things fluid and sort of just go with my mood at times. But I do have priorities. And I think that's mm -hmm. always been the thing that keeps me aligned is like, certain things matter more to me um, than others. And that that changes depending on the timing. So like most of the time school is, was the main priority just because like it was a thing that had to at least be handled on a baseline level mm -hmm. for everything else not to fall apart. Like to be able to stay in Philadelphia, to be able to be exposed to opportunities and the environment that just needed to be taken care of first. Then, you know, a lot of the times was probably Yed Corp next, especially in the time of the year in the spring getting closer to the summer that was the big thing and then uh working on the book was after that and then campus stuff kind of flowed in between there like campus involvements um but i think it's important that i allow those priorities to change because after the summit and then like the fall yed court was moved behind you know other things such as if we had like the book or um, like other campus involvements just because it wasn't as pressing. So I don't think I always have, even though I don't always stick to a strict schedule, I do stick to priorities and adjust them accordingly. And I think that's the thing that just keeps everything afloat for me. Yeah. Do you have any conditions for 
quitting? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, so you, quitting like anything in general? Um, kind of anything in general, but also your um, entrepreneurial endeavors. That's a really interesting question. I feel like there, I, I'm also the person who doesn't really like, I, I don't mind quitting and I don't mind quitting for no reason, frankly, if, if mm. it's like what, if it's what my gut feeling is, I, I won't really apologize for it. So like, as far as like campus involvement, as long as it's not something like once I've committed to something and I told you I will do it, I like to, to, you know, be a man of my word, of course. Mm-hmm. But whenever I know that, um, involvements aren't you know beneficial for me and the impact i think i want to make or like the trajectory i definitely will quit and feel like i don't really owe people the you know the most detailed apology beyond like a general reason and i think a good example of that was like so to be honest i was in a lot of clubs on campus sophomore year um I was in Black Wharton. I was on the board for Black Wharton. I was in something called like the Marketing Undergrad Student uh, Club, and but the biggest was Black Wharton. I think everybody sort of expected me to stay on board and to do different roles. And as we progressed with Yet Corp, and as I started working on the book, I just felt like so much of my time was going to like helping people like on campus just not in a way that I thought I was best suited to. And I thought that if I just put my time and energy into some of the projects I already had, but was neglecting, then I could have, you know, provided value in a better way that was more true to me. So I decided like not to be involved with it the next semester and to, um, I really dropped all my campus involvements that year. It was only working on um, my own projects and, it, I think people, my friends sort of thought it was weird, but I think they get more of an understanding why I did it now. And and I think it could have been seen as selfish by some people, but I hope that they would see that now it, it wasn't really the selfish move to do. Like, I think staying on those clubs would have been more selfish because it would have just been for a resume thing or, yeah. you know, for an ego thing to be a president of a club mm-hmm. when, you know, there was there was just bigger things to take care of, to be honest. Yeah, that's really refreshing. And also I think a good reminder that you have to check in with yourself. Yes. Um, And not only that, but doing great things often means saying no to good things. And that's That's what's really hard. I don't think I'm good at that either. Like that's, I feel like I'm not good at doing it in a, in an honest way. Like I might try to quit and like quit by just slowly not showing up anymore. But I think I need to work on quitting. Like, look, this isn't best for me right now. I hope you can respect this decision, but this is the reason why I just need to, you know, make a different decision. And I think people respect that more than just, you know, ghosting. Yeah. Quote unquote. Absolutely. Hmm. I, I asked because I think I, 
I have so many ideas constantly mm. and I've done, I've been so many different things. I'm always joking. I've lived a thousand lives already. Um, <laughs> but I like, I had a YouTube channel. I was doing music videos. I was doing like X, Y, Z, like constantly. And I, it wasn't until very recently that I like felt like I actually finished a project or like maxed out I what I it. could do. Yeah. Um, in a specific project, I guess. Um, and I feel like I have quit so many things, uh, mostly because something else got in the way. And so, yeah, I guess I was just curious as to like, if you have any system for like, am I quitting this because I'm not in the mood to do it right now? Right. Or am I, or like, if you have some, like, like fail safes basically of right. like, okay, when do I know that it's actually time to quit something versus I'm just kind of being lazy in this like three month period? So, okay. That's really interesting because no, I think there's two different things. I think there's quitting uh, on other people. And I think there's quitting on yourself, which yeah. like is also very important too. And maybe not like quitting on yourself, but quitting on your own, giving up your own, idea or like your own you know con conception of how something was supposed to go and that happens mm -hmm. to me a lot like so before the book actually the book was supposed to be a screenplay for like a short film and mm -hmm. I was working on that throughout the year and it just wasn't coming together and that's something like um I had really wanted to be just to depict different um themes that were ended up being in the book and I think there was a moment where I just had to be honest with like myself that right now I don't really have the resources um the expertise or the the connections and network to make this the project I really want it to be and to make it resonate the way I want it to be so it's time to adapt and adapting was you know moving it into the format of a book and eventually, I do plan on going back and doing a screenplay for that short film. It's mm -hmm. just like being honest that right now wasn't the right time. Mm -hmm. um, and I've had that with plenty of other projects. But I think at times, you just have to be honest with yourself about things. Like whether it's being honest that, you know, maybe you're not the right person to do it alone. Maybe you need a collaboration for it. Or maybe your target market just doesn't need the thing that you thought they needed. Like maybe yeah. you just had the wrong connotation. And I think a lot of times people waste so much time just like not wanting to be honest with themselves and, and just, I mean, it just makes it harder in the long run. Mm -hmm. What, what do you do about data? That's a tough one for me because I'm not really, um, I'm not someone who really, uh, for the most part, to be honest, cares about data, cares about probabilities, all of that, just because of my own personal experiences. Um, as someone who I feel like never really respects the odds or probabilities and stuff like that. But I do, as an entrepreneur and as like a creator, I do have respect for um you know proving your ideas especially when you're trying to get other people involved mm -hmm. so 
I think I care more about data when there's other people on the line with me as far as like Yed Corp and when we're putting our time and money into this and um, other people's time and money as well, then I have an inclination to be like, okay, let me get the data to show you that this is a viable idea, that I'm not wasting your time. Uh, that's when I care the most. When it's something when it's just me on the line, I usually like to trust my gut feeling with it more, to be honest, because I've just had so many personal experiences, even personally, where I know the data doesn't, like, couldn't even show you the reality and what the future trajectory is. Mm -hmm. And that always frustrates me too. And so I don't like being just bound to just abiding by what the data is, because I don't think data can always show you what the future holds or what people will do. So I've, I've always had an interesting relationship with it. And I love that question so much. You have such a reliance on your gut. And I wonder, has your intuition always been, has it always been at North or have you had to hone it over the years? I do. That's, I think that's really true. Like I, that's something I've always relied on. And for the most part, it's led me right. And I don't want to sound like I'm always right or anything like that, but mm -hmm. I do c consider myself someone who has good judgment and like a balanced level of discernment. And I also think I know the other people that do too in their specific fields. Like I feel like I know the right people to go to. Um, but with that said, there's definitely been times where it's, where it's led me wrong. Mm -hmm. And the thing with me is I don't have a problem with that. Like, I think with cer certain people, it bothers them. I, I don't really, and it would bother me too, if someone else is making the decision for me. But if I make the decision, I'll live and die by it. Like, hmm. if it's the wrong decision, I don't mind living with that. Interesting. Interesting. Do you think do you think intuition is more nature or nurture? That's a really good question, too. I think I actually, I, th I think a lot of people would say it's nature, but I think it's nurture, to be honest. And mm -hmm. I think it's from what I can tell. So this is just me and my environment with my friends. Mm -hmm. I think the ones who have really good intuition and just have really good gut feelings, I think have been surrounded by people who like make decisions in in a really good way. Like not that there's a right way to make decisions, but I do think that sometimes there's a right process to making and analyzing decisions. Yeah. And I and I think that like the people I I know that I would consider like that were sort of spend most of their time in environments with people who make, like, know how to make unbiased, like, wise decisions in general. So I would argue that it is, it can be nurtured. But I do think it takes time, and I think it has to happen at certain parts in your life. Yeah. I I actually agree with you, where I think that, I do think it, it leans more towards the side of nurture, but in unconscious ways. Mm, yeah. Um, where it is just, I just think about 
how lucky I have been that my sister is 10 years older than me. And so I, from a very young age, have watched what will eventually be the phases of my life and learned so much from her. And not necessarily that we're talking about it, because when I was in elementary school and she was in college, she was not talking to me about what she was doing in college. (laughs) Um, But I did get to see and learn so many things about when she did X, Y happened. And I think I internalized that and have been able to make college, um, I think it's made my college experience much better just having those things from way back when. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point because I also have an older sister and um, and she's substantially older, like eight years older. So I think that contributes a lot and people don't take that into account at times, like getting to see your sibling just go through experiences, learn, fail, succeed. I think that contributes a lot to younger siblings. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Let's get into the seedling round where okay. small questions lead to tasty answers <laughs> that's a heck of an intro there my goodness thanks it's i don't know how many times i'm going to explain this but basically i had the sound effect in mind for the lightning round and it was cacao but i spelled it like this hold on <laughs> i spelled it kind of without the second a oh, perfect right but every time i said it Everyone just heard cacao like the chocolate situation. (laughs) And so instead of just giving up on that sound effect, I've changed the whole thing. (laughs) Okay. I I messed with the vision. Wow. Thank you. Um, What is your favorite passage from your book? My favorite passage from my book right now is that contentment is the best form of self-care because right now I'm in a point of my life where I think I get in these phases where I just like need contentment a lot, where I have a lot of like anxious energy or, you know, I'm not really living in the present and my mind is elsewhere. And ironically, I think that happens right now while I'm at the house a lot. Um, so I think it's just like, that's my favorite right now, because I'm just trying to find the ways to, to be happy in the present, even if the present isn't everything that I think the future may be, or that the past was Mm -hmm. just, you know, learning to live for today. Mm. What's your favorite social media platform? This is an interesting question because it's Instagram, but I also hate Instagram. Like, it's the one I love and hate the most. And I honestly hate it because I love it so much as well. And it's, I don't know, me and Instagram have a complicated relationship, but it's definitely Instagram. Mm, I hate Instagram. I hate it so much. Me too. Me too. I hate it so much. I don't have a Twitter because I know I would love Twitter. I love Twitter, but it even shows how much I hate Instagram because I said Instagram, but I love (laughs) Twitter. Like, Twitter is amazing. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Twitter is the funniest funniest thing in the world. I know. I know already. (laughs) I I don't even know what to say. Like, Uh, Okay. Um, What has been your favorite project that you worked on? 
Favorite project was doing the Yet Summit, to be honest. Specifically, I mean, both years, but specifically the first year. Was that 2018 or? That was, yes, 2018. Just because it was so, (laughs) at that time, like, we didn't know what to expect. And it was just crazy and spontaneous and fun, to be honest. And the next year was fun, but definitely more stressful. But the first year was kind of like, whatever happens, we're happy. Yeah, that's awesome. It was a great event. Thank you. Thank you. How would you explain entrepreneurship to an alien? The way I would explain it is that a person, um, I would explain it as a person creates a product, an item, or does something for something, someone else, and that person provides some sort of uh, service or value back in return. So I would basically just say that it's a value exchange between two people. Hmm. Um, cool. That's the end of the seedling round. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> I love these, these freaking uh, clap emojis. I do this all the time. Can you, do you know if you can change their color? So I've been wondering that for the longest time. And I was on a, a chat with uh, one, some of my friends and there's an older like mentor that's in the chat with us, and he had black clapping hands, and he's the only one I've ever seen be able to do it. And I, I'm, I've been meaning to ask him how, but I've seen black clapping hands before. All right, so they're out there. If you're listening to this and you know how, hit my line, because I've seen <laughs> that as possible. So now I want it. Awesome. Plug yourself. Wait, what'd you say? Plug yourself. Oh, okay. So... I would thank you for saying that. I love plugging myself. Um, so if you're interested in um, getting the book, first and foremost, you can get it from the website. Uh, the website is jordanwill.com. Um, and uh, you can also follow on Instagram at jpwill23. Um, and Instagram, you can get links to, you know, everything else whether it's Yed Corp Instagram to stay updated for the next events or to stay updated for the new, um, you know, moguls brand lines if we do any more this summer. So yeah, that's all the plugs I have. Awesome. Thank you so much for being a part of this show. This thank you for allowing today. me to bring the rowdiness and thank you for your uh, rowdy energy as well. I think this was <laughs> a great, a great exchange. Thanks. So much of it is going to be forever unpublished. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, that's kind of not true. Hello. Welcome to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate that. I really appreciate you. I hope that you got something out of this. And if you learned something, if you laughed, if you even just like my energy, please rate, review, subscribe, and share this with your friends. That will really help for this podcast and this community to grow. That helps me get more guests, and it means I can give you more of this delicious content. Much love, Athena Sayaka.